1: And we join him right now with today's message.
2: Paul is writing a letter to a church that he started 10 years earlier in the city of Ephesus. Uh, He left. Uh, He was eventually arrested for preaching the gospel. And so he's writing this letter because the church had kind of crept back into some of its worldly ways. And so in this uh, letter of six chapters, the first three chapters are reminding them of who they are in Christ. Primarily, he's writing this to a group of Gentiles uh, that God had allowed uh, to be included into the plan of salvation, but they had forgotten how blessed they were because of Christ. He begins in verse 3… By praising God. He just, he, just, he just praises God in verse 3. I praise be to God, who's the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms, and here it is, with every spiritual blessing, here's that phrase, in Christ. But he's writing this letter. You know, when you write a letter, you just don't start writing. You think you're, you're contemplating. And so he's thinking about, you know, I just, I'm, he's so thankful and he's so blessed and he wants to remind the Ephesians of all that God has done for us through Christ. And so he writes and he writes and he writes, starting with verse three, he writes, he writes and he just keeps writing and he can't, he can't stop. He just, there's so many things he can't stop. And in the Bible, he starts in verse three, but he writes that it goes all the way to verse 14 which is actually, if you look at the title of your notes, the title of the sermon is the Bible's longest sentence because it is the longest sentence in the Bible. Now, in English, it's 266 words and eight sentences in English. But it was written in Greek. And in Greek, write this down in your notes, it's 202 words in the Greek language, and it's just one sentence. It is the longest sentence in the entire Bible. Your English teacher, if you'd have put 202 words in one sentence, you would have got a D minus. But Paul is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he begins and he starts to explain all the riches that belong to us. And he simply can't stop. I praise God for this blessing. And I praise God for this blessing. And I praise God for this blessing. And I praise God for this. this. He just can't stop. He's literally bursting at the seams. He doesn't know how to stop. He's praising God for every spiritual blessing, the fact that God chose us, that he predestined us, that he adopted us. And number five on your list, he graced us. And I want you to write down that word glorious. Everybody say glorious. Because in this text, it actually puts those two words together in verse six, if you look in your Bibles, It says to the praise, he's still thanking the Lord, to the praise of his glorious grace. It's not just grace, it's glorious grace. I'm gonna try, you should try this too. For now on, when you're talking to people about the grace of God, you shouldn't just say the grace of God. You should try to use that phrase, the glorious grace of God. And you can refer them back to this text if you want to. It's not just grace, it's glorious grace. And oh, this is important. Now look at verse six to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given that grace to us in the one that he loves, which we know that's Jesus Christ. And this is important that you understand that this whole text about you being chosen and adopted and being allowed to be a part of God's family You didn't earn this privilege. You didn't merit this blessing. It says that it was freely given to you. A person is not saved by doing good deeds. You're not saved by living a good life. That's what most people think. You're not saved if you pay your taxes on time. You're not saved by saying little cute prayers. No, the way you're saved is that God's glorious grace, He allowed Jesus to die on a cross so that you might be saved. That's glorious grace. Look at chapter 2, verse 8. Probably the most well-known verse in all of this entire letter. It says, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God of God he just gifted it to you I give you two definitions in your notes the first is unmerited favor and that means it's undeserved unmerited you didn't work for it you didn't earn it the Bible says that while we were yet sinners that Christ died for us the Bible doesn't teach that God waited until you cleaned up your life And you were living a perfect life and so god said okay because you're trying so hard i guess i'll die on the cross that's not what happened now here's the second definition write this down it's an acronym some of you may or may not have heard of it it's for the word grace it's god's riches at christ expense so you get all of god's riches this glorious grace but it's at christ's expense he had to die so even though it costs Jesus everything. It costs Jesus his life. He freely gives it to you and to me. It's glorious grace. This is Sunday. One, this last Monday, I was walking through the new building, and these two construction guys come up, and we talked, and they left. And one of them came back with a third construction guy. And he said, Pastor, I just thought you'd want to meet this guy I think his name is Marcellus, and he goes, Marcellus was baptized yesterday, yesterday, which was one week ago. And I said, to Marcellus, well, congratulations, that's great. How long have you been coming to church? He goes, oh, it was my first Sunday. I said, what? He goes, it was my first Sunday. I go, you haven't been coming? He goes, no, I just, it was my, I said, well, how did that happen? How, how do you just show up? And then you get baptized that day. And he tells me this story. And uh, he said, he goes, and he got real quiet. And he, he just said that, uh, you know, I've made some mistakes in my life. And um, I had to serve some time. And he goes, I just got out this week. And he goes, my dad's friend, not his dad, but his dad's friend said, you need to go to church. And so I showed up. Now, do you remember, those of you that were here last week, do you remember what I preached on last week? Do you remember that I said that God knew before the creation of the world that on this stage would be a six-foot-five, white, bald-headed preacher and that you would be sitting in the very chair that you're sitting in and wearing the clothes that you're wearing, that God knew that, He predestined all that, and that we would be on this text, the fact that God, before the creation of the world, that He chose you and He predestined you, that if you're in christ that you'll receive all of heaven and that god has adopted you into his family and once you enter his family that god will never leave you or forsake you and he said during the invitation time that the guy who brought him to church just while we were singing looked over and said do you want to be baptized and he goes i, I hadn't thought about it at first but right then it just kind of came over me that i needed to be baptized and so he said i just stepped out and i was baptized yesterday at your church And I said, man, that's just, you know, that's kind of an amazing story. He said, no, you don't understand. He was I just got out. I came to your church yesterday. I got baptized yesterday. I don't even know how, but today I got a job and I'm working in your new worship facility. That is glorious grace. He didn't deserve that. He didn't earn that. That's just God smiling upon his life. And let me tell you, that's his story. That is your story. That's all of our stories. God's glorious grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound It saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see God's glorious grace. Number six on your list, write this down. The fact that he redeemed us. Not only did he grace us, but he redeemed us. And verse seven is an interesting verse. There's a lot in this. The first two words, in him, there's that phrase again, if you're keeping track of all of them. Here's another blessing, another reason why we're rich in christ we have redemption everybody say redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our sins in accordance with the riches of god's glorious grace that verse eight that he just lavished on us if you have your bible he just poured all that out on us now What you may or may not know, that when Paul was writing this letter, he was writing to a culture that had slaves. It was a slave culture. In fact, the city of Ephesus was one of the leading slave uh, centers of the entire Roman Empire. If you've been with us in our study, you know that it was the fourth largest city in the world at that time. It had 250,000 people. A quarter of a million people lived in this town. That's a huge city. Uh, 2,000 years ago. Sometime I want you to Google Ephesus slave trade. Just Google that sometime. And here's what you're going to read. You're going to read that in a population of 250,000 people, the fourth largest city in the world at that time, that one-fourth of that city were slaves. Approximately 60 to 70,000 people were slaves. And so if you went to the marketplace, well, you could buy spices from the Orient, you could buy purple cloth from Thyatira. You could also buy uh, the latest fashion from Rome. And in that exact same marketplace, you could buy a slave. This is the culture in which Paul shows up. There's no church. There's no church. But for two years, he works and he builds a church. And then he writes this letter. Now, what he was saying here in this text, and I want you to write this down, he's saying your identity... Your redemption, your identity is now found in Christ. That's what verse seven says. In Christ, you have been redeemed. You now belong to Jesus. We have redemption through his blood. You see, Jesus paid the price. We were purchased not with currency, not with gold, not with silver. We were purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. Christ came to redeem us. Christ came to set us free. And I don't know if you know this or not, but we are all slaves here today. Every one of us is enslaved. We're slaves to sin. We're enslaved to the flesh. We're enslaved to this world and the systems of this world. Here in the text, they were enslaved to the Old Testament law. But through the blood of Jesus Christ, we have been set free. Galatians chapter five, verse one, we've been set free from the law. Romans chapter six, we're free, set free from the slavery of sin. In Galatians one and Colossians one, we've been set free from the power of Satan and from the power of this world. We've been set free from the things that divide other people. We've been set free from our debt. We've been set free from our past. And not only has God chosen you and predestined you and adopted you, and redeemed you, and purchased you, and forgave you. He's also, number seven, write this down, he's informed you. We've been informed. Oh, this is good. Don't, don't lose me on this point. I want you to look at verse nine. It says that he has made known, everybody say made known to us, This thing, the Bible calls it the mystery. What is this mystery that he's talking about? You ought to praise God because he has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed, here's this phrase again, in Christ. Now write this down. Mystery means something that was formerly concealed, but now it has been revealed and you're living in a day and age where this mystery has been revealed. Go back to the very first book in the Bible, Genesis chapter 12. I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 12. I'm going to show you one of the first times you ever see in the Bible one of these little prophecies, one of these mysteries, just where he's talking about it where they didn't really understand. It's when God called Abram. In Genesis chapter 1, he calls Abram or Abraham to follow uh, him into a a distant country, and and Abraham agrees. But look at verse 2 in your Bible. It says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great. How many of you today have heard of the name Abraham? God answered his promise. God has made Abraham one of the most well-known names in the entire world, Christian world, Muslim world. Everybody's heard of Abraham. But look at verse 3. He says, I will bless those who bless you, Abraham, and whoever curses you I will curse. And here it is. They didn't even know what it meant. It says that all peoples on earth, all peoples on earth will one day be blessed because of you. Now we know that Abraham had a son named Isaac, Isaac had two sons. These are the grandsons of Abraham. Their names are Esau and Jacob. In Genesis chapter 35, verse 10, God tells Jacob, this is the grandson of Abraham, he says to Jacob, your name will no longer be Jacob, for now on your name will be Israel. Israel then ends up having 12 sons. Those sons become the 12 tribes of Israel. One of those 12 tribes is a man named Judah. And from the tribe of Judah, Jesus Christ comes into this world And so as you go through the Bible, you have all these little hints that one day through Abraham, one day out in the future, the Messiah will come. And when he comes, it will be salvation for all people. And guess what? Eventually, Jesus Christ does come, fulfilling all of those prophecies. Finally, the mystery is revealed. Jesus goes to the cross because of God's incredible grace, and he sheds his blood. He purchases all of us, those of us that have put our faith in him, He forgives you of all of your sins, and you are blessed because you are living in a day and age where that mystery has finally been revealed. Number eight, number eight, he sealed you. Now, in verse 13, it says, and you also were included. Everybody say included. And here's this phrase again. In Christ, you're included. And here's the whole gospel. When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed, you were marked in him with a seal. And what is the seal? The seal is the promised Holy Spirit. Because the Bible teaches that when a person is saved, according to the Bible, God puts his Holy Spirit inside of you. That Holy Spirit is on the inside. Now, uh, last weekend, a lady, as she was leaving, she came up, she said, can I ask you a question? I said, yes. She goes, my son became a Christian. He was baptized, but he told me he doesn't feel anything. Do you have any words of wisdom for my son? What can I say to you? He doesn't feel any different." And I said, I said, ma'am, you tell your son that our faith is not built on feelings. Our faith is built on the facts of the word of God. And the word of God says that once you commit your life to Jesus Christ, that he puts his Holy Spirit inside of you and you are sealed, whether you feel it or not, you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. Now, in Paul's day, the slaves were branded according to who they belonged to. The analogy again is that if you're in Christ, he has tattooed you, but he doesn't tattoo you on the outside. He tattoos you on the inside, he gives you this mark. It's, it's what the Bible says. It's right there in verse 13. It's a mark that he puts, it's on the inside. It means that the transaction is finished. Once you were marked, hey, the deal is done. You've been purchased. Number two, it means uh, it implies ownership. It it tells people who you belong to. And the Holy Spirit means that you belong to God. The third thing that it means, it's the mark of authenticity. This is the real deal. Uh, And the fourth thing, and I want you to write this down, it's a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance. Oh, this is good. I want you to look at verse 14. You were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Now look at verse 14. It's the deposit guaranteeing you a place in heaven. You see, God not only created you, but he adopted you. He chose you. He graced you. He saved you. He redeemed you. He forgave you. He informed you, He included you, and He sealed you, guaranteeing that one day you'll be in heaven with Him for all of eternity. Oh, yeah. And the Bible says these words in 1 Peter chapter 1. Look at these words as we close. In His great mercy, He's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Verse 4. And into an inheritance that can never perish, never spoil, it never fades, being kept in heaven for you. Now, I would think, I would think if that was your inheritance, you would spend more time thinking about that inheritance you see, the thing is, today you ought to be rejoicing of all the things that God has done for you. We spend so much time on this earth upset and worried about so little things, like, my just got a brand new car and it's got a scratch, or, 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 or you know, it could be anything, that you get so upset over so many things on this earth and you don't realize that everything on this earth is temporary, and the thing that you need to be worried about is that if you are in Christ, that all of heaven, all of it is yours. It's yours. The thing, the thing that bothers me is that still today, after going over all of these things, that are your, for anybody who's in Christ, there are still people here today who refuse to come down here and give their life to Jesus Christ. Because you think things on this earth are worth more than the things in heaven above. Let me tell you that God's glorious grace is not just for a young man named Marcellus who was here last Sunday. It's for every single person here. If you're not in Christ, if you're not a Christian, you can come today. You can come today.
1: It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. Four seven seven seven. That number again is 888-818-4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. The secret to overcoming any obstacle you are facing today is revealed through one of the most extraordinary victories ever recorded in the Bible, the Battle of Jericho. Joshua and the Israelites followed God's unusual plan to walk around the heavily fortified walls of Jericho for seven days. The Lord promised that at the end of those seven days, He would cause the walls of that famed city to fall, allowing His people to take possession of the Promised Land. In his book, Walls Fall Down, Pastor Dudley Rutherford shows us how the seven spiritual principles in this story are available for all of us today. You will learn how the foundation behind Joshua's victory is the key to overcoming your own hurdles and unsolvable issues. When you choose to do things God's way, walls crumble, victory replaces defeat, and a blessed future unfolds. Pastor Dudley's book, Walls Fall Down, is available for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. This invaluable resource can be yours right now by calling our toll-free number 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. You can also order this book directly from our website, liftupjesus.com. That address again is liftupjesus.com. Discover how your personal Jericho battle is no match for the power of an awesome God. Call us right now and receive your copy of Walls Fall Down by Pastor Dudley Rutherford today. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us tomorrow at this same time as we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.